Whether it's dismantling the fossil fuel industry, creating a solar-powered utopia, or simply desiring to hear more birds in the sky than planes, this is Idealistically, a podcast where we discuss what we would idealistically want in an ideal world. Hello and welcome back to Idealistically. This is the second ever live recorded episode. I recorded this episode at the Cheltenham Science Festival on Sunday the 12th of June 2022. I am not going to bore you with too much of an introduction um, on this episode. I think we're just going to jump straight in. Thank you so much if you were there in person and thank you so much if you're going to be catching up and listening to it now. It's another really fun um, and cool conversation with someone who's super inspiring. So I hope you take away a lot from this conversation and that you enjoy listening. As this was a live recorded episode, please do excuse any audio imperfections. We were recording in an outside tent, so it's kind of difficult to avoid any background noise, but you should still be able to hear us nice and clearly. Hello. <laughs> Welcome to Idealistically. Um, I'm your host, Tomaya Gregory. I am an artist and a climate justice activist from here in Cheltenham. Um, and this is my podcast, which I started last year. I'm currently, this is one of the episodes for season two that has just started. And the podcast is basically all about imagining an ideal world. So what would we idealistically want in an ideal world? Um, as a climate justice activist, I talk a lot about kind of what is wrong with the world, <laughs> a lot of the issues that we're currently facing, especially the climate crisis. Um, and something that I kind of discovered within that is that often we don't actually talk about what life is going to look like once we achieve climate justice and once we take the radical action that's actually necessary. Um, and so I kind of just was like, how can I fill that gap and bridge that conversation and get people thinking more about what they really want um, and to kind of push people to imagine more radically and without limitations and without, you know, when I've kind of been speaking to politicians and stuff and they'll tell me, hey, you can't do this or that idea is too big. Actually, let's just ignore that and think, you know, what can we really do together? Um, so that's kind of the basis of the podcast. And I have spoken to artists, fellow activists, influencers, climate scientists, anyone who I think will have a creative vision for the future um, and anyone who is interested in helping inspire other people to start those conversations as well. Um, and today I have a very special guest um, and we're going to be talking on the topic of air pollution, um, which I think for me is one of those things which makes these conversations so vital because it's something so simple. We all breathe air. We all need air to survive. And the thought of, you know, us not taking action on that just seems kind of unimaginable. Um, so I'm really excited to be joined by Destiny, who is from an amazing campaign. And I'm going to let Destiny introduce themselves because that's what I like to do. Everyone can explain who they are better than anyone else. So take it away. <laughs> Hi, everyone. Um, so my name is Destiny. I'm 18. Um, I'm from London, so not quite Cheltenham, but still in the South, so close enough. Um, and I am a student climate activist. Um, and I guess my main journey in climate activism um, sort of started in the environmental movement, you know, when like Greta Thunberg started to go on like these protests. Um, when, when they arose in the UK, I was very much there. 
Um, but a lot of the issues that were being talked about in terms of the environment didn't centre around issues that affected me personally. Um, and so I guess I found my niche um, and I really wanted to talk about air pollution and how it significantly disproportionately affects um, communities like mine in South London and how this um, inequality isn't as rampant in other affluent areas. And so as a result of that, myself and two other, two other of my friends um, co-founded a campaign called Choked Up, um, where we talk about these issues and our ultimate goal um, is to sort of encourage the government um, to enshrine solid clean air laws that will, I guess, ensure protection of our lives. Um, because if the most oppressed people, um, I guess, are free in some sense, um, then we'll all be free, essentially. So, um, yeah, that's me. And that's what we've been working on for the past two or so years. Amazing. Yeah. Thank you so much for joining me. So I like to kind of like ease ourselves in, kind of see where we're at, especially considering like the general kind of, I like to say like gestures at everything because the world is kind of a mess in some ways. Um, so how are you kind of feeling when it comes to imagining an ideal world? Do you find it a bit tricky or are you actually one of the, those lucky people who can, you know, really easily imagine a better future? Uh, I think with me, it's, it's sort of a case of, I know it's not impossible. It's just very hard. Um, I've had to sort of really, really resist the idea of um, climate doomism, you know, you know, I have people constantly telling me it's on the news, you know, we've got 10 years left until, you know, the effects of the climate crisis is irreversible. Oh, there's so much pollution going on. Oh, this problem, that problem. And like constantly having to consume that sort of negative media, that negative news, it really does get to you. Um, it got really worse in like lockdown and I like, got really bad climate anxiety. But um, I sort of remembered that, you know, grassroots organisations like mine, but also working with so many people who, you know, share the same mind or who want to learn um, from people like us, like, we can build a world that is, you know, sustainable, you know, a world that is livable and that we can just breathe clean air. Um, I wouldn't be like campaigning whilst doing a degree if I didn't care enough or if I didn't think that, you know, the goals that me and my friends have sort of put out to the world weren't achievable. So um, it's not the easiest, but it doesn't necessarily mean it's impossible. Yeah, I think definitely like taking action, like that's the one of the easiest ways to make yourself feel more hopeful. Aside from that, like, is there anything else that makes it easier for you to imagine a better world? Um, I guess just being around people, because again, um, before like, you know, getting involved in, in the environmental movement and before um, co-founding Choked Up, um, I just felt like, really alone I didn't think people like cared about the environment like I grew up you know very working class you know I was I was that kid in the council estate and like small things like recycling like I'd always like force my families to be like you know you know we've got to separate our like bottles from our like our waste food and stuff like that and you know doing that on your own can feel a bit like unempowering but I guess like you know forming liaisons and like connections and um, with other people and having them uplift you whilst you doing the uplifting for others that sort of you know relational power and reciprocal influence really does keep me going um, choked up isn't something that I've done on my own it's so much bigger than me because you know me and my mates aren't just speaking for ourselves but you know for the people in our communities that may not initially feel empowered but maybe we'll do so if we just like continue what we do and we will talk more about choked up and all the amazing work that you do in a little bit but I want to jump into some imagining because that's the fun part of this podcast I think um when you close your eyes, I invite everyone to do this in the room. Close your eyes and what is that first thing that comes to your mind when you envision an ideal world? It could be anything. Um, initially, just a lot of sun, uh, <laughs> which we don't get a lot in the UK, but we're lucky today. Um, just this, like, I guess it's not really a thing that you can grasp, but like a feeling of security, I think. Just knowing that, like, I can, 
exist in a world where, you know, I'm not so susceptible to the harm that I am, you know, exposed to a lot. Um, just feeling safe. Yeah, just the feeling of safety. I think it's something that I, like, I kind of crave, but not in an unhealthy way, but it's quite justified. Mm. Um, again, that safety can be manifested in just being around really, really good people, um, being around good friends, doing what I enjoy, um, and just seeing people like genuinely happy. Um, like as much as like we talk about like our pain and our struggle um our joy is equally valid i love that but also then like i've had other people suggest safety and i'm just like how annoying is it that we're in this position and we have to put safety as something that we want to fight for obviously like you know some of us have more privilege in the sense of what safety we're asking for but it is just one of those things where i'm like great <laughs> but it's a beautiful image to imagine that kind of following on from that is there anything that kind of in the reality in the current version of the world that we're in now that is already playing out in the world that kind of makes you think this is the ideal world that I want to live in like is there a place a space anything like that oh um that is a very good question um I guess I can answer this in two ways um in a more personal sense um well, I guess this will be happening tomorrow. This is me genuinely just rambling now. But it's my birthday on Tuesday and I'm going to be 19, which is going to be great. Um, <laughs> and um, But it's also my exam week, so it's, it, it's not the vibe. Um, and so tomorrow my sisters um, are coming from London to Oxford because that's where I study. And we're going to like spend the day together after I do my exam. And that's like really, really sweet because that's something to look forward to because it's like my worst exam as well. It's philosophy, which kind of makes me yeah um and then I get to have my birthday on Tuesday and like just being around like my really close friends we're gonna have like a really nice dinner you know just do like just nice things so that's the more personal um aspect but on a more like um I guess a group aspect as much as I do like climb activism and stuff like that um I do just like talking a lot and so I feel I feel at my best when I'm like attending protests, doing speeches, even being seated here, like, you know, engaging people in a conversation that they wouldn't have otherwise. I think, you know, the art of provocation is really, really beautiful and it comes in so many different forms. Um, I write a lot of poetry as well and I post it on my Instagram, shamelessly. Um, but like doing that was a really good, like, it comes from a place of solace, um, especially again, like during the lockdown last year, like just couldn't stop writing. And people are really receptive to what I write because I think, I don't know, I think I have a way with words and people just like, resonate with that and it makes me feel glad that I can connect with people on that sort of level so yeah all, all of those things sort of put together is sort of like my kind of ideal world that I want to keep promoting for myself because it just makes me really happy nice yeah I think the the point about conversation is like such a good one because especially in the world of like social media we need to be having more conversations like in life in real life about this big stuff and I think when you can actually look someone in the eye and kind of see where they're coming from it means you can get that deeper understanding and especially when it comes to kind of better world making, if we can truly understand why someone wants something to happen, like I think we'll get there a lot quicker. So I like that. Absolutely. <laughs> also, similarly, I think when we talk about reimagining a world, we sometimes might think we have to kind of completely change everything, kind of build it back up. And in some ways, that's very much what I'm asking for. <laughs> But are there any things that you kind of want to keep from now and take that forward? Absolutely. I, yeah, I couldn't agree more with the whole idea of just like abolishing every single like oppressive system and then, <laughs> you know, rebuilding it. Um, but one thing that hasn't ever gone away that I don't would and that I wouldn't want for it to go away. Um, I'll keep promoting this idea of collectivism, but um, the solidarity that I see. So, again, whether it be on the streets in protests, 
you know, wh whether it be like, um, even like in academia, like, you know, if you see something wrong, you know, people standing up against bullies and that sort of thing. I think there's a real, there's a real beauty in that. And, you know, you know, you know, people go like, there's no I in team, but there really, really isn't. I don't think we've ever achieved something. So like we, we haven't achieved things individually um, and we don't need to, if, like if we have people around us. Um, no, like, I guess no big movement um, has ever like been portrayed on an like individualist lens no movement um has start hasn't started like without a, an initial conversation and i guess you know keeping that relationship would be really really good i think for me i think the reason why i keep you know promoting the idea of you know we've all got to be together and got to talk things out is i guess for more personal stance sometimes communication isn't the best um of my personality traits like especially when i was younger like if i got annoyed about something I used to just get like really angry and get stuck in a rut and like take it out on everyone and obviously like you know my friends and family got upset with it and like I fell out with a lot of people because of it but now I'd like to think that you know 18 turning 19 soon that I've finally found a way to sort of channel my anger in a way that isn't like palatable like I'm trying to like be a people pleaser but like um I'm expressing myself in a way that people can also relate to without you know initially feeling defensive or initially feeling like, oh, we're going to argue with Destiny now because they've said something in a way that's really like pissed me off, you know? So yeah, um, just like direct communication is something that I really, really promote because I've seen what it's like to be at the receiving end of not nice conversations, but also being the one that's actually perpetrating it. Yeah. I like that. I like that honesty, the transparency and that we're all improving and on a journey with these things. I also like that point about like collective action. It's something that like I feel like I just talk about endlessly and like I'm like a broken record that we all have a role in these spaces and that we can all take action. And something that I often say is that there's even a role for someone to make a cup of tea and be that caretaker in, in a group or in kind of an organizing space. So look at what you can you can already do the skills you already have and what you love doing and put that together and see how you fit in like for example um my kind of activism journey started from my love of fashion I wanted to be a fashion designer growing up and I realized you know the climate crisis was a thing and that I wanted to put my energy into that so now I have like a creative role like I can I'm a communicator and an illustrator and I do graphic design for movements and things like that so I haven't like lost the things that I love in order to be a part of it I've taken those things so yeah we, we all have a space and we can all be a part of this team <laughs> so as I mentioned like I do want to talk about Choked Up and all the amazing work that you do with that so do you want to just do a little bit more of a deep dive into what it is how it began um yeah absolutely so around two years ago so like the summer of 2020, you know, we're all cooped up in our homes by force. Initially, I went to a social justice um, summer school um, when I was 16, so end of year 12. Um, it's based in Brixton, South London, and it's called the Advocacy Academy. And what, um, I guess, the, the overall aim was um, that it's like students and alumni were like to found campaigns based on social justice issues that they cared about personally. So like my other friends who are also now alumni, um, you know, talk about how um, how they're negatively impacted by like hair discrimination in schools, and have adopted like a like a set like a code um, that enshrines their rights to you know be able to have their natural hair out in school. But um, which is absolutely beautiful, like it's amazing that like um, I would like promote the Halo Code. They're amazing. But for me and my friends, our um, I guess our niche was um, environmentalism and the climate movement, and how we sort of saw that as much as we were engaged within the, you know, environmental movement, whether it be, you know, going to protests, you know, having conversations with friends and like 
the spaces where like climate activists will come together. Um, one thing that we all shared in common was that we were all people of colour and that um, our personal issues were constantly being dismissed or not talked about. And we didn't feel safe in the spaces that we should have felt safe in because, you know, we all cared about the environment. And it goes beyond, you know, like saving the pandas, which obviously is a very, very valid part, but like so are human lives, essentially. And um, so that's it. that's when we like sort of chose our niche. We went through a whole summer school, you know, we spent most of like, July, August, bits of September, I'm really working on how to like find a niche within the climate movement because there's so many issues within the environment that sort of need to be covered. But there's only so much we could do as, you know, then 16, 17 year olds. And so we finally like hit the nail on the head and we thought we need to like talk about air pollution and how, you know, black and brown communities um, in London specifically, because obviously that's where we live, are ridiculously disproportionately affected by it. And so um, that's how we sort of like co-founded Choked Up um, we launched our campaign in like end of summer um, 2020 and we've been doing loads of work since then. I think our most um, credible work or at least the, our most notable work was around like one and a half, two years ago. And essentially what we did was we hijacked um, road signs and we sort of designed um, road signs that said things like, you know, air pollution is a problem. But more specifically, we you know, we said like black and brown communities are worse affected by this. We had a few statistics. So like, um, I think it was like, you're worse affected by, I think like if you live in an area um, where there's like a high black and brown population, you're like 42% more susceptible to like, you know, illnesses related to like air pollution. And what we did was we got them designed, we got them printed out into like proper life size, like it's, it's insane. And we got them, so we put them up in areas that we lived in London. So like, um, like Brixton, Lewisham, but also areas in East London, such as like Whitechapel, um, because again, they have a high um, POC population. Um, we were able to get them done in Bengali as well, which was really, really cool because it meant that, you know, we were spreading the message to, you know, direct audiences who probably already know the reality because they face it. But like that, that element of inclusivity, I think was a really, really good shout from us. And so when you put these signs up, um, obviously people are going to initially think they're just normal road signs, but you know, people driving past like walking past it stare at it for a bit longer and think oh my goodness like you know this is a problem because like the problem with talking about like air pollution is it, it's not an issue that you can grasp because you can't see air um, <laughs> you just can't and so it's really hard to talk about these things sometimes because people just aren't able to like contextualize it or grasp it and so having these like in your face signs telling you you know this is a problem and this is a problem that um, particularly affects, um, you know, working class and black and brown communities, um, was really, really um, just something that stood out. Um, it also got attention from like, you know, BBC London and like ITV London, which was great, um, because it meant that we were able to sort of, you know, start a really, really important conversation. And it like, it popped up from Twitter, like my, my school teachers the next day, because I had, I literally had an A-level English class. And I told my English teacher, miss, I'm going to have to leave early because like, I'm, I'm doing something for the campaign. And she was like, yeah, it's fine. So, um, and the next day I had the same English teacher again. And she was like, Destiny, like I saw you on the Guardian with your mates, like, you know, you're holding this big sign. And I was like, yeah, that's why I left the English class. She was like, absolutely amazed. Um, and like small moments, like, well, small, pretty big Those moments like that. big moments. Yeah. <laughs> um, big moments like that really, really sparked off, you know, important conversations that we were able to sort of like engage with, I guess, the general public, which was really, really good. So there's like one more thing I want to say. Um, but again, I'm going to like touch on the fact that, um, again, like air pollution is a really difficult issue to grasp because people don't understand it. Um, so like, obviously, people talk a lot on Twitter and usually it's like, it's really good. You know, you've got, got the cheeky weed tweet, you know, people like supporting. But what I'd, what I'd um, come to notice as one of my friends is a lot of people 
um, were saying things like, oh, you know, everybody suffers from air pollution. It's not just black and brown people. Mm. And so we sort of saw that as not a not as resistance or like as trolling, even though it very much was trolling, because you know, you've got anonymous accounts just like shitposting. But um, you've got, um, but we saw that as a way to sort of, we sort of saw that as a way that we could sort of bridge a gap between like a misunderstanding. So we sort of discussed, okay, yes, as much as air pollution is an issue that affects everyone, this is an issue that affects me and my community more than yours. And it's not me, it's, it's not a me against you situation. It's, it's an injustice that we want to raise light to and that we want our government to really, really like hone in on because, you know, air and breathing in general is a fundamental quality of life. And to be deprived of such, it's an absolute disgrace. But the thing about injustice is, you know, you can actually do something about it. And we hope to continue the conversation like we are in spaces like these. Amazing. Well, yeah, I'm glad you brought up the kind of like guerrilla signpost um, action that you did because I'd seen that and it was really really impressive um, and I'm glad to hear it got really a really good response um, and this kind of just got me thinking about what I heard in another talk you did at the Cheltenham festivals today um, about the air emergency um, and one of the speakers alongside you said that in Cheltenham um, the air pollution has been improved by 34 percent but then if you zoom out and you look at the areas um, kind of maybe outside on the outskirts of Cheltenham or in areas where there's a kind of a lower um, socioeconomic kind of demographic, the improvement is a lot smaller. And so I think it obviously goes to show that it's not just a London-specific um, issue, it's kind of a UK and obviously a global issue. And you're doing a really great job of highlighting that. What, in terms of kind of creating a better world, what role does choked up play in better world making aside it kind of seems like an obvious answer about air pollution but it'd be great to hear what you you think um yeah absolutely so um i guess um we within choked up want to promote a better world in the more conversational sense you know we're not scientists we're not great at maths but we are pretty smart people um we're just not good at maths but um what we want to do is be able to just um platform the injustices that we face and just be able to talk about these things because um, it's not something that you should suffer in silence about. Um, it's not something that's going to go away if you like, you know, close your eyes and you wish really, really hard. Um, I feel like, you know, we as the youth um, have a responsibility not only to ourselves, but, you know, to the generations beyond us and the generations before us in sort of healing the world that, you know, we were born in. I think none of this, none, none of this is, you know, our fault. Um, again, you know, air pollution is a like it's a nationwide, if not a worldwide issue, and we we can only do so much. Like I'm not saying that like the three of us are going to like single-handedly um, save the world, but I think it's a case of like we're doing what we can within our capacity and wanting to be able to connect with you know other people, whether it be you know policymakers and scientists and researchers, etc. So that we can all work together in making a world, or at least our environment. Um, whether it be nationally or like in a lo in the in the local scale, just somewhere that you know we feel safe and just just able to like live and just breathe happily. And what is kind of the ideal outcome with the campaign? I don't. It sounds kind of weird when I think about being a climate justice activist and the fact that I don't really want to be one. Like I, in my ideal world, there's a part a time where I don't have to be one anymore. So like, what would need to happen for choked up to no longer exist? Yeah. So um, our our biggest overall aim, something that, you know, we advocate for the most is um, being able to, you know, conceptualise the, like, climate justice that we want. <laughs> I think we're going to have to start a campaign about sound pollution, so, <laughs> so keep going. <laughs> our overall aim is to essentially encourage 
um, the government um, to create absolutely solid and profound laws that will ensure the protection of um, black and brown lives when talking about um, air pollution and air inequality and the health inequalities that come with it. Um, because we as Choked Up don't only promote you know, climate justice, it comes with you know, racial justice, class justice, and so many intersecting factors in between. I think um, the environmental movement isn't um, reductionist, but sometimes on face value, mm. um, it can be. Like, um, I think I saw in the news a while ago that um, people in general think it's like, it's been branded as this like white middle class movement as if it's just an activity that you know middle class kids can just sort of like invest themselves into and then just like call it a day when it's when it gets inconvenient but um climate activism is it's a full-time job just without the pay but i don't need to be paid because i i really really care about this and it's something that i put my all into and again it's also remembering that this isn't just about me this is advocating for you know, my family, um, especially my little sister, because she's got asthma and I've got a chronic illness as well. So like air pollution just makes our lives like doubly difficult. And so I, I really do speak from a place of like empathy and compassion. Mm -hmm. And so, so do my friends as well. Um, we just really care about these things and we just hope it resonates with like everyone else, but also the people that can actually make these changes, you know, the law and policy makers, our MPs, you know, our councils. Um, it really does make a difference. I mean, it should resonate for everyone because we all breathe at the end of the day. So <laughs> we all need to be pushing for this. What do kind of some of these solutions look like? So essentially the WHO, the World Health Organization, set in place um, these targets to ensure that, you know, um, I think it's like a cap to certain levels of like, you know, toxic fumes to be produced within like a year or something. And so we want the UK to either, you know, compete with that or surpass that to ensure that um, we're all breathing, um, you know, sound quality air. But um, obviously there's loads of measures that need to go before that, you know, loads of unpacking, loads of, um, I guess, assessments that need to go before that. But again, although it might take a while, um, if we start, you know, as soon as possible, it doesn't make it impossible. That actually reminds me, um, talking about the WHO, there is a website, I think it's called Address Pollution, and you can put in your postcode um, and it will tell you what level of air pollution you're currently experiencing um, based on those levels that they put out. And I think I actually put in the postcode of this garden and this square and it is on the higher end. Um, we're not breathing in clear air here, folks, unfortunately. Um, so, yeah, let's all keep pushing. Are you ready for the, the fun question of the podcast? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> this is my favourite. We get to be a bit creative. In your ideal world, if you have no limitations... And I mean none, like really. I've had people answer this question with uh, a magic wand as the answer. What would you invent in your ideal world? What would be destiny's invention for a better future? Oh, okay. Um, I mean, it's not even a real thing that I'm imagining, but I'm trying to relate it to like air pollution. But if there was, if there was just like this big machine that could just like suck up like polluted air, mm. like just on a daily, it just renews itself. And if, if something could just like, extract like all the dirty air in the world you know on a 24-hour basis so we're all breathing well i think that'd be nice like a super air sucker mm. yeah let's not let it be like a um a greenwashing scheme for like the fossil fuel companies to be, oh my like, god sucking out the bad <laughs> air on one end and pushing it all out on the other <laughs> that's that's a good one not heard that one before so we've still got a bit more time and I like to kind of ensure that people listening come away with things that they can actually do in real life to make this ideal world with cleaner air 
um, more possible. So let's talk about what are some things that we can start doing kind of as individuals, as much as we also need to be working as a collective. Um, yeah, I get this question a lot. And like, um, you're probably going to think I'm going to say things like, you know, drive less, walk more, you know, avoid, um, I don't know, notoriously polluted areas. Um, but I'm not going to say that because I feel like that's too general and that sort of puts the focus on like individual people and it's not you guys' fault on an individual basis that, you know, we live in a country, we live in a world that, you know, exists with like bad air. But um, again, this sort of feeds into like the collectivism narrative, but, you know, contact your local grassroots organisations. Um, I'm, not, I'm not quite sure what, like, what ones are in Cheltenham, but like back home in London, um, we have like Wretched of the Earth and Friends of the Earth and just other like um, cute, like... <laughs> cute nice like wholesome environmental organizations um that sort of like promote being able to like like promote like being greed in like your own local areas um sometimes it just feels nice to give back to like you know the area that you live in um and also just being able to like you know talk and like just socialize with people that you know mm. sort of share the same mind because like we're all seated here because you know we, we, we want to talk about like you know climate justice and like how we want to pursue that in our own terms um but that's more like a local level um so like talking to like your local grassroots organizations and if you want to expand to like other cities that's also gorgeous but on a more not necessarily political but like on a more like bigger scale um this could be about any issue to be honest like anything that concerns you um i said this in the other talk but i'd say contact your mps um it's literally their one job to be able to you know represent you in the house of commons or in spaces that you won't have direct access to um it's their one job um for you to sort of you know for you to communicate you know what worries you what what worries you, what you have concerns about, you know, in your own local areas and constituencies. And they have a moral, if not a legal obligation to actually respond to you and to actually come up with measures that, you know, will help you probably feel a bit at ease, if anything. Um, your MPs are really, really, like, they're really, really good people. Uh, my MPs back home are absolutely lovely. And even my MP who I, like, in Oxford as well, because that's where I study, um, she's absolutely amazing as well. And she's, like, very hands-on Annalise Dodds. Um, but they do represent you, is what I'm trying to say. And um, nine out of ten times, they are good people. Um, so building a relationship with them um, is really, really sound. But again, your grassroots organisations are probably a first port of call because, you know, at any minor inconvenience, you can just, like, go to them. But also, in your moments of joy and achievement, they'll be cheering on with you. Yeah, and if you don't get along with your MP, let's not talk about my experience. Um <laughs> You have great people to go and hang out with when they make you cry in a meeting. Yeah, yeah we love that. Um, I want to go back about, just quickly, when you're talking about grassroots movement, what was it like when you started Choked Up? Like, what did that actually start with? It might be nice for people to actually hear what it means to start a group. Yeah, so, um, so Choked Up, again, started under, like, the Advocacy Academy. And I think we were really, really, really graced with their presence because they really gave us, like you know, a hands-on, essentially like a guide on how to like actually start a campaign because it's it's quite it's quite difficult to do in your own, especially when you're like 16, 17, you don't have any idea. So we were like, we, we were paired with like loads of mentors. We had like weekly sessions that went on like in the autumn and the winter, which is so difficult to do when you're online on a Zoom on a Friday night. But you know, you could be you know, living your best life, even if it's like watching a film. No, we were putting in the work right after like, you know, my sixth form lessons. Um, and, you know, being able to, like, I guess, plan things. And, like, we talked about, like, our aims, you know, who, who we were going to contact, you know, what MPs, what grassroots organisations. 
um, et cetera, et cetera. And it's, it's a very, very long work in progress. Uh, but now we've like sort of graduated from like the like social justice summer school. Um, it's mainly like just like the three of us trying to work um, within like the means that we have. But obviously it's really difficult when, um, so the guards are in the year below me. So they're in like year 13, like they're literally in the end of the season and I start my exams tomorrow. And so like being able to juggle, you know, a degree or, you know, your sixth form life with campaigning can get a bit more difficult. So obviously we don't have as much time, but um, we sort of work to the capacity that we can at best. And it's just being able to move on from that. Um, it's pretty sound. Again, this is where like, it's so important to have people that, you know, um, will be supporting you from the outside, but we also have each other as our own like mm -hmm. support group. So I'm putting in a bit more work because the guys have got exams and like they'll be able to reciprocate when I do my exams. And like, we're going to be able to do loads of things in the summer because we will have too much time on our hands. <laughs> and I'm going to try and make the most out of that before we'll go back into academia in October. Um, but yeah, so it's mainly the three of us now, but it didn't necessarily start like that. Um, a really, really solid foundation and being around good people um, will take you very far. And it just goes to show that you really only do need a small group of people to make some, some change and some action happen. Um, I'm throwing in some bonus questions for you here. What have you learned from people who have kind of supported the campaign about what they want for a better future? Like what are people struggling with the impacts of air pollution calling for? Aside from, hey, we need <laughs> cleaner air, like what actions are they actually demanding? Um, oh, that's a very, very good question. Um, so like we as Choked Up kind of speak from a more like, you know, social side of things because it's, it's, it's what we do best really. But we've been backed by like loads of doctors who see like the actual like medical impact and the medical harm of air pollution. And what they want is, you know, to see children to be able to have, you know, healthy and happy lungs. Um, I think doctors find it particularly hard to treat children because, um, especially when it comes to like air pollution, because they're they're just so exposed to these things that just it's, it's beyond their control. And it's, it's the small things like, you know, um, children aren't that tall, you know, and so um, their height is just about the same level as like car exhaust fumes. And within that, you know, they're being direct, they're directly breathing in, you know, these toxic things and it's just it's just awful in that respect so we have doctors sort of backing us on like the medical side of things and ensuring that you know they sort of amplify our message um, but again through a sense that is a bit more like not understandable because I guess what we speak kind of speaks for itself but in a way that really makes people grasp the reality that you know air pollution is a very very bad thing and it's damaging our insides you know as we speak um, so we've got that in that sense mm -hmm. um, and again, um, I guess, um, like with the press side of things, they sort of, I, I guess, again, they sort of have the same message, but are able to circulate it through like, you know, national and local means, which is great because then that's when we have other people like from the internet or just people even emailing us, sort of engaging and telling us, you know, the things that you're doing are great um, and stuff like that and how they've sort of um, been able to work themselves and being able to, you know, find the justice through their own means. So essentially, it's all really, really subjective. But I think every single person that has, you know, their own certain niche and their own specialist fields um, is able to contribute into um, just such a, you know, a vast holistic issue that it doesn't really have a limit. But they're like the two that I could think of from the top of my head. Obviously, you're going to be very busy exams like it just it blows my mind that you're doing that at the same time as organizing a, a campaign um what is kind of next 
for choked up in the campaign what you know what are you pushing for now um so we've yeah so we've sort of already done like the whole you know raise awareness thing like people know who we are we've also gained respectability as a movement and that's great but you can only go so far with you know um like promoting and raising awareness of the issue and so now we kind of want to look at things more logistically so again you know getting closer to our target of you know um pressuring the government into creating these laws that you know will properly like protect and look after us so again um essentially what we want to do now is be able to communicate more with our MPs but like policymakers or like anyone that can sort of contribute to the more um logistical sides um into getting the justice that we want um yeah so that's sort of like our next step if someone if we can give everyone homework to talk to their mp like you mentioned what should we be asking them what should we be sending in that email um absolutely so if so if you were to um talk to your mps i guess i could tell you what i did initially so when i first spoke to my um, mp back home um i sort of emailed him about you know um i guess the things that like i saw in my neighborhood that weren't too great so like bar air pollution like there was just loads of litter going around and like there were just loads of it, it just wasn't a nice place to live where I live essentially and so like I listed like all the environmental issues that like I saw around the area and then I also said okay so these are the issues I'm not quite sure what to do on an individual level um is there like a climate group that I can like be associated with that I can talk to about these issues and stuff like that and then and this was before the pandemic so I was quite lucky that um, like my MP secretary said, you know, you, you can come into the office and like we'd be able to have a chat. So I literally spoke to my MP face to face and he said, okay, these are the initiatives that, you know, we want to like pass through. And um, there's also a, a climate group within like the borough overall, which is great. Um, and then I like sort of got involved with them and then lockdown came, so I couldn't be as engaged. Um, but it's nice knowing that like my MP like does care about like climate issues quite a lot and was able to directly link me to people that also care. Um, so I got quite lucky in that sense. Yeah. And you mentioned earlier what other groups are there in Cheltenham. So we can do a bit of local advertising. Um, I have been a part of Extinction Rebellion previously in Cheltenham. There is Clean Air Cheltenham, which is the campaign which specifically like works on clean air. Um, and I know they're trying to push for, I think it's the council is supposed to have released um, like an annual air quality report or something like that i won't promise what the specifics are um but yeah they they're pushing on that and they want some support for trying to get that to be released um there's also um i think there are friends of the earth around lots of different other groups planet cheltenham which is what i'm a part of which has a youth group for 16 to 24 year olds and we are trying to do lots of like community action kind of like what you mentioned like trying to speak with people collectively and trying to um empower them to take even just small actions um yeah in a really nice community kind of way so that's Cheltenham and you're all in this room so you all have a role and you can all join me so if I don't see you in a space I know you haven't taken the time <laughs> but also you're all very busy so I won't won't be too harsh on you but that is the end of our questions and we're going to have to wrap up this episode. Thank you so much for joining me. It's been so great to learn more about Choked Up. You can find the podcast um, on Instagram at IdealisticallyPod and on Twitter at IdealisticallyP and you can find me, Tomea Gregory, at, at Tomea. Where can people find you? <laughs> um, yeah, so we're all over social media. We're like 17 and 18, so we're all chronically online. Um, but we have Twitter and that's kind of where like we talk the most not so much because obviously exams um and our like twitter handle is 
um, choked up underscore UK, and that's the same on our Instagram. Um, if you have any inquiries or like just want to like, you know, just send your love. Um, we also have an email, so that is we are choked up at gmail.com. Um, and yeah, amazing. And yeah, I'm really excited to have more of these conversations in the future, hopefully, again in person with you all. Um, thank you so much for coming and for all your support. Thank you so much once again to the Cheltenham Science Festival for having me for a live recording. I hope to be doing more live recordings again with you all soon. If you want to find out any more information about what's mentioned in this episode or you want to go ahead and follow the podcast on Instagram or Twitter or learn more about Choked Up and all the amazing work that they're doing, then you can find all of that in the description. Sound and editing by myself and music by Stowe Gregory. Thank you.